Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The Weekly Wrap on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly. Now, compensation for workplace injuries and CPF payments are on the cards for cabbies, private hire car drivers, and freelance delivery workers who use apps. In a major move to uplift more than 73,000 platform workers here, companies that hire them will have to provide standardized insurance protection for those who get hurt during office hours. As for CPF payments, they would be made compulsory only for those below 30 years old. But for everyone else, there is a choice to opt in or not. The new policies will kick in in the later half of 2024 at the earliest, and this comes after the government on Wednesday accepted recommendations made by the Advisory Committee on Platform Workers. But the question is, is this enough? And what more can be done to support our gig economy? To find out, we're joined on the line now by Walter Tessera, Associate Professor, Economics and Head, Master of Management, Urban Transformation Program, Singapore University of Social Sciences. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay? Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Good. So let's start off and talk about these recommendations that have been made. Details of these recommendations. What are your thoughts on the update? You know, I think there are three big recommendations here, mm-hmm. I mean, which, which you already discussed. Uh, the first is that uh, we're going to have the same CPF coverage for platform workers as employees. The second is that we're going to have uh, the same level of protection for injuries on the job as employees already get under workmen's compensation. And the last one is uh, collective representation, which is that, you know, unions or other bodies will be allowed to negotiate and represent uh, platform workers and resolve disputes with the operators. And I think these three big uh, you know, ideas are really important because they level the playing field between employees and between platform mm-hmm. workers. Because platform workers are really subject to a lot of control by the platforms and they're not the same as traditional self-employment. And because of that, they need a higher level of protection than you know, your uh, self-employed, for example, real estate agents or tuition teachers or whatever. So that's the idea here, to, to level the playing field between platform workers and regular employees. What kind of response? Responses are being to the announcement. Uh, well, I think uh, there's a bit of uh, caution actually mm-hmm. when the re- uh, when the announcement came out, and you know the, the reason for the caution is that I think stakeholders do agree uh, this is the way to help ensure the industry is sustainable. You mm-hmm. can't have a sustainable industry if workers aren't protected, if you know people don't have uh, long term uh, you know issues about health, retirement, savings, injury if they're not covered. But the recommendations do have big cost implications, especially the CPF contribution, which everybody knows is going to be quite hefty and it's going to be complex to to implement. So I think uh, with this uncertainty, uh, the stakeholders are wondering how is the cost going to be distributed? Uh, How much do customers pay? How much do platforms pay? How much do the workers pay? So I think in the coming months, there's going to be a lot of work need to be done uh, to try to figure out what's the best way to actually implement this to distribute the cost. And that's it. What are your thoughts on how this is going to be implemented, the process of implementation? 
well, I think uh, that's uh, actually going to be an issue for the stakeholders mm-hmm. to take up over the next couple of years. But there are a couple of, uh, you know, I think uh, concerns or issues that, that I would highlight uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, that others have already talked about. Uh, first, there are going to be some sectors, some jobs where the platform workers and the non-platform workers actually do the same thing. They provide the same service. Uh, people have talked about taxi and private hire, for mm-hmm. example. If you uh, take a taxi at Street Hill, it's not a platform job. It's actually you know traditional self-employment. But if you book the same taxi through an app, that's a platform job. Uh, and the problem is the regulations have a cost implication. You know, CPF is 37% of total wages. So that means that when you're doing the same job, there's a cost difference. And uh, we have to be careful here because we don't want to create an incentive for workers or the businesses to try to avoid the regulations. Because when you avoid them, the workers are disadvantaged. You know, they're, Even if they get higher take-home earnings, their total earnings are going to be less without the CPF contributions. Um, I think the second big issue for implementation is this idea that for the older workers, they can opt in to the CPF contributions. And this is going to create a cost difference based on age. And and what I worry about is that the total wages for older workers could be lower. You know, if you don't opt in, you might get more take-home pay, but you will miss out on the employer's CPF contribution. So I think the key question here is, will the platform give that contribution in cash to older workers who don't opt in? Is this going to happen or not? I think we're going to find out. And that could essentially solve, as you mentioned, a cash flow problem because many gig economy workers may be doing it just for that, right? I mean, it's you don't have to wait often when it comes to salary and if they could potentially be looking at a lower salary if and when this kicks in because of the CPF contribution. Do you think that could ease cash flow issues? Yeah, no, I, I think certainly it's it's a top of mind for all gig workers yeah. because they, they know that uh, when CPF contributions start to kick in, then they have to contribute some out of their take-home as well. And, you know, it's, it's not so likely that the fares and the fees can rise by such a huge amount mm-hmm. as to cover all of the CPF contributions. So some of it will have to come from the take-home pocket uh, of gig workers. Uh, so, so understandably, this is a big concern. And, and For the older workers, you know, many of them have said, look, I've already got my housing, you know, why is it that I have to take from my, you know, take away from my take-home pay to to put into CPF? But I think the issue here is, you know, even if you're an older worker and you've already secured your housing, you Mm -hmm. do still have to worry about your retirement. And if there's, you know, if there's a wage differential between you and somebody who opts in, actually, you're kind of just um, shooting yourself in your own foot, you know, to to speak, Mm -hmm. because if you're missing out on that CPF contribution from the employer or the platform in particular, you know, over the months, over the years, this could really be quite sizable. It could make a big difference to how much money you get uh, when, you know, you stop working and you you just rely on your CPF savings. So I think we have to look at ways to try to encourage people to opt in. And uh, maybe it could be, maybe there's room for the government here to provide some additional subsidies or grants in the transition period. I mean, we have to look at everything possible, I think. And we've also got to talk about the timeliness of this. Do you think recession risk has raised the urgency for these recommendations to be implemented as soon as possible? Well, you know, these recommendations do have uh, big cost and business implications. Mm-hmm. So understandably, the industry, uh, the, the riders and the drivers, they've all expressed concerns about what's going to happen if you raise costs when we might be heading into a very difficult uh, economic period over the next couple of months. Uh, but I, I think we have to look beyond the next few months or even the next year. 
because these recommendations are about ensuring the future for everybody, for the industry, for the workers. Uh, it has to be sustainable because we, we don't want workers to regret being in this industry. We don't want people to say in five or ten years' time, you know, well, uh, I, I wish I hadn't spent so many years doing this gig work because now I can't afford to buy a house. We, we don't want people to say those kinds of things. So um, it's never a good time to have a possible increase in cost structure. But if these steps aren't taken now, then I think we're not doing the right thing for the workers. Okay, so let's talk about the bigger picture. How will this or these recommendations benefit the gig economy seen here in Singapore? Well, you know, I think as we discussed earlier, mm-hmm. um, the workers and the platforms are pretty cautious about yeah. this because even if they recognize that this is what is needed to secure the sustainability of the industry to make sure that you know their own jobs are sustainable, they've got something saved away for the future, they do wonder what will happen. They're going, you know, they're wondering, well, if, if the prices go up, mm-hmm. are customers going to stop, you know, taking uh, del- you know, making delivery orders? Are they going to stop making private hire bookings? Uh, they're also wondering, you know, when I start paying out of uh, my take-home for CPF, can I make ends meet? So I think uh, that's why it's, it's also important that the, um, that the committee recommended that these changes be phased in. So we're not talking about, you know, a 37% increase in, in uh, CPF contributions just overnight or something like that. It's going to be gradually phased in, and I think that's important because it will give um, everybody a chance to, to adjust to it. Uh, and, and, you know, with, without that, I think there'll be a lot of disruption to the industry. So I think people are cautious, but I hope that people are optimistic as well. About okay, it. so as we move forward with this cautious optimism, what more do you think can be done to enhance these recommendations? Well, you know, first, uh, talking about the CPF contribution, mm-hmm. how it's mm-hmm. optional for older workers, uh, you know, we all understand why older workers may not want to contribute to CPF because they feel they've, re- they've secured the housing and retirement. They're doing this job for extra spending cash. So they want to maximize their take-home pay. But um, what I'm concerned about is that if they opt out, if they stay out, they might end up getting less total wages. They might miss out on that employer CPF contribution. So we have to ensure that if you do opt out, you're treated fairly. You have to get the same total wages, I believe, as those who opt in. That's what I think we should be aiming for. Uh, But of course, I, I do think that in the end, if they opt in, they might be better off. So we have to look to see whether there can be incentives, maybe from the government, to encourage them to opt in. Um, the other broad area I think that could be looked at more is uh, some pain points for platform workers. They've talked about this in the past. They've been concerned about not having sickness and hospitalization leave, about not having medical benefits. You know, because if you're an employee, if you're sick, you get paid. If you're in the hospital for a long period of time, you get paid. But if you're a platform worker, you are actually out of luck. And, and these recommendations don't deal with uh, sickness and hospitalization leave. Now, you know, some platforms do provide some benefits in this regard. Workers can also buy private insurance, but it's very inconsistent. There's no minimum coverage level. So I think uh, one of the issues that uh, the uh, that could be looked at, the stakeholders can look at, maybe the unions can look at in the future, is 
trying to strengthen fitness and hospitalization benefits of platform workers because we don't want workers to choose between their health and their livelihoods because today, yeah. if you're kind of sick, you might still push yourself, you know, to show up for work as a mm-hmm. platform worker because if you don't work, you don't eat. So, you know, beyond uh, implementing the recommendations here, which is already tough, a lot of work ahead, I do urge the platforms and stakeholders to work towards continuously looking for more improvements to be made. And so do you think the timeline is reasonable then because these policies are going to kick in in the later half of 2024? Well, they're going to kick in from the late half of 2024, but they're also not going to kick in, I believe, as a all-or-nothing uh, kind mm-hmm. of thing, especially for the CPF contributions. They're going to be phased in progressively. And, you know, I, I think here... Um, we would prefer, I think, if there could be the maximum level of protection for all mm. workers as soon as possible. But we also have to recognize that, especially for CPF, it's a huge uh, cost adjustment. And if, they w- if it was to kick in overnight, even in 2024, I think it might be perhaps too much of a shock for the industry and the workers to, to recover from. So I think we have to take a calibrated pace, but you know, recognize that the sooner we do this, uh, actually the, the more protected and the better off the workers are going to be. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Sure, thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Walter Tessera, Associate Professor, Economics and Head, Master of Management at Urban Transformation Program, Singapore University of Social Sciences here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.